were his enemies, Christ died for us. And his name is a powerful name. In fact, it's the only name by which men can be saved. It's the name that makes a difference in our lives, brings hope, brings healing, brings peace, brings joy, brings comfort. And he is the hope of the world and he lives in us. Amen. Years ago, we were introduced to Royal Family Kids Camp in South Dakota because a church in Brandon began to sponsor a camp. And every year at our district council, they would report to the Assemblies of God churches in South Dakota about this organization called Royal Family Kids International and how we need to be a part of it and the difference it's making in the lives of students. And uh, you're gonna have to bear with me a little bit today. I'm not supposed to cry because I'm a red blue, um, but for some reason, this camp just does it to me. It's, a, it's an inside joke. But um, I always wanted to volunteer and say, hey, we're gonna do one of those camps. But um, it wasn't the right time because I couldn't lead it. I couldn't be the director. I couldn't be the one to, to, to just catch the vision alone for it. So I had to wait for someone else. And uh, I've told the story before, I didn't expect the someone else to be a part of me. I, I kind of wanted it to be someone else, you know, far away. Uh, but uh, I'm so grateful for this camp and for all of you in this room with a blue shirt on today um, and people that are that, that give and serve and help that aren't wearing blue shirts. Um, there literally are hundreds of people that go into making this week of camp possible to make a difference in the lives of 24, 25 kids who have experienced more tragedy in their lives than some of us ever will to show them that there's a powerful name that can make a difference in them. And so I'm gonna invite all of our blue shirts, if you would come, I know I call you blue shirts, but you're our staff. Um, but if you would come and uh, just stand here in the front and we're gonna commission you because this is a mission strip. This is you uh, going out to make a difference in the lives of some students. And if you're here and you've got a blue shirt here in the front and you wanna pray for them, uh, I'm gonna invite you, if you're comfortable, come to the front, lay your hand on their shoulder because I'm gonna pray over them. And uh, we're just gonna pray for them as staff that God would empower them and equip them and help them through this week. And so we invite you to be a part of that as well. We've got blue shirts coming everywhere. If you are in your seat, I'd encourage you at least uh, to just stretch out your hand toward those that are here in the front and uh, pray with me as I pray for them. And so Father, I am grateful today that while we were your enemies, you died for us. And you placed within us hope. You placed within us life. You've placed within us a peace that passes all understanding. And so when we face tragedy and difficulty, uh, we can have a peace even when everything around us is so chaotic, there's a peace that comes from you, a peace that the world can't understand. And I thank you for that gift that you've placed in our lives. And I thank you for these staff members here in the front. I thank you for the sacrifices they're willing to make and the time that they're willing to invest to take a piece of what you've placed in them and to, to let it out this week. And I pray for a grace to be on their lives this week God, that you would empower them to live out that 
that relationship that they have with you, to live it out when they play games, to live it out when they sing songs, to live it out as they walk with these campers everywhere they go around that campground. God, that even in times of crisis or in times of difficulty this week, in times of tiredness, maybe even in times when they've made a mistake, God, that you would help us to live out a genuine relationship with you, that we would model for these campers what it is to have hope, even in the midst of hardship. God, that that what we have with you would be able to be deposited in their lives as well. God, I pray for the, the teaching and I pray for the songs and all of the things that will take place on that campground, that you would penetrate the hearts of each of these campers, that you would give these guides wisdom God, as they spend 24 hours a day with these campers, that you'd give them wisdom. You said if we ask you for it, you'd give it liberally, and I ask that today. To be able to answer questions that they don't have an answer for. To be able to sow seeds or water things that have been planted in these lives. God, even beyond what they think right now that they're capable of of doing, we believe that you'll equip them, that you'll empower them, that you'll help them through this week. So I pray your blessing on them and I pray your blessing on the families that they're gonna leave behind. God, that uh, you would empower dads to fill the role of moms while mom is gone, that you'll empower moms to fill the role of dad while dads are gone, that you'll take care of their homes and you'll take care of their children. I pray you'd bless them in the same way that they're choosing to bless others. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, in just a moment, Christy's going to lead a prayer. And so blue shirts, I need you to face this way. And each of these blankets, I want you to come. Some of you are going to need to come up on the stage. You can go ahead and keep playing if you would. Um, there's some blankets up here. I want to lay, we're going to lay hands on these blankets. And so wherever there's a blanket, make sure we have at least one blue shirt with that. We're going to pray for the campers that these blankets represent. And so there's a lot of blankets over here and there's a lot of blue shirts over there. So you might need to come over here uh, because we want to pray for each of them. So, amen. And uh, Christy's going to lead us in, in prayer for these campers. Amen. Father, I first want to start but just saying thank you. Father, thank you for giving us the opportunity to sow into the lives of these 25 children this week. Father, you knew that we were gonna have 25. You knew every boy and every girl that was gonna be in our care. You have worked out every situation with the state, with guardians, with foster parents. Um, Father, with their own parents. Father, in order for them to be with us, There is a reason that we have them this week. And Father, I pray for these kiddos right now. Some are anxious. Some have not been away from um, the home that they've been in for a long time. Some have been moved around so much that just what's one other week someplace else? They don't even really care. They've given up. But Father, I pray right now, wherever each child is, that you would begin to prepare their hearts. Father, that you would begin to soften the encrusted shell that has been built around them. That you would use every member of this staff um, in the kitchen, in the activity center, in the castle, every guide, 
that you would use us, that we would be the hands and feet, that these kids would hear life spoken over them, that they would hear truth spoken over them, that their hearts would be softened, their ears would be open, and their eyes would be able to see Jesus in us. Father, we pray for healing, emotional healing for these children. We pray for psychological healing. Father, we pray for physical healings in these bodies that have been damaged physically and emotionally. Father, I ask today that memories would be erased. <laughs> Father, I pray that words have been spoken, that words that have been spoken to them that have been um, negative and hurting, that they would be erased in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that as they receive these blankets tomorrow, and as these blankets cover them this week, and as they take these blankets home, that it would be a visual reminder of you and the protection that you have placed over them. Father, that as they surrender their lives to you and as they give their hearts to you, as they understand that they are valued and they are perfect and they are precious and they are loved and they have a Father God who wants them, who desires them. Father, I pray that as they place these blankets over them at camp and in the weeks and years to come, Father, that, that it would be a visual and that they would remember you. Father, we know that they might go back to homes and to circumstances that, uh, that break your heart even more than it's breaking ours. So Father, use this tangible blanket that we are, that we are praying over, um, that's standing in the place of these children. Father, use even this blanket to bring healing and hope and protection and comfort, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, thank you, Blue Church. You can go ahead and be seated. These are some of the greatest people in uh, South Dakota, Michigan, wherever else y'all are from, <laughs> Minnesota. Um, it takes, as I said, it takes so many people to make a camp like this happen. And uh, Christy and Kathy and Gail um, do a tremendous amount of work throughout the year uh, making this week happen. And uh, Royal Family Kids, um, as a sponsoring church, uh, I have responsibilities to this organization. Royal Family Kids is not a part of our church. It's, a, it's its own organization, and we partner with them uh, to make this camp happen. But uh, as a pastor, I provide oversight. And so they ask me questions at the end of camp. They want to make sure that the values that they have are being met in that camp and that the things are spiritually being done the way that they should. And uh, they, so they ask me questions like that, and we provide insurance and a whole lot of other things too. But... Um, they sent me a letter back in the early part of this year asking that I would do something on their behalf because they like to recognize directors who are the founding directors of camps. And uh, Christy was unable to attend that meeting because she was somewhere else. And so um, they asked that I would do that. And so, you know, it's interesting because, it, as I said, it takes so many people to do this. But as I told you the story, I've wanted a camp like this in this area for a long time but uh, someone has to get out of the boat first. And so, on behalf of Royal Family Kids Camp, I'm gonna present to Christy as the founding camp director for last year's camp, um, just a, a, a token of appreciation on their behalf and uh, for all of the work and the time that she's put in uh, for, I guess, being the first one to just choose to jump into the deep end of the pool. And so, thank you.
Um, we do have a, a children's church, and so if you have students ages uh, one through, or grades one through five, um, actually it's pre-K, so preschool age through fifth grade, if they want to be dismissed, we've got some teachers uh, out in the, the foyer area, and they're going to take them to their class. Parents, if you want to go out and meet those teachers, uh, we welcome you to do that, and uh, they can kind of show you where those kids are going to meet, and uh, if your kids want to stay here with you, that's fine too. Uh, if you have a Bible, I want us to go to Matthew chapter 25. For those of you that weren't at the training yesterday, um, I did announce to those of you that aren't regulars uh, in our church that Church ends at noon, and so I'm going to do my very best to make sure that we do hit that. Uh, I know that you as uh, people, staff members need to be back here at 1.30, and so I'm going to do my best to get you out of here so you can go there. But I wanted to share a word that I feel like the Lord put on my heart for this week to share with you from Matthew chapter 25, because there are two different groups of people in the room today. There are those that we've just commissioned that are going to go to camp this week and are going to actually practically be the hands and feet of Jesus to campers uh, all week long. And then there are those of you that are going to be left behind and you're going to be praying with us and partnering with us in that way. And can I tell you that your role is no less important than the role of the people on the ground. Um, as I was thinking this last week about our camp last year and just how well everything went. Now, I, I mean, I know there were hiccups and there were problems and there were little things, uh, but for all of the things that could go wrong with uh, this many children from uh, abused and broken backgrounds, uh, it was a great week of camp. And uh, we attribute that to those of you left behind that are praying with us. You know, I think of the Apostle Paul that he says to the people who supported his ministry in giving and in prayer that they were partners in the gospel. And uh, I know that sometimes in our brains we think the people that are on the ground are more important, but they are not in the kingdom. And so we have to make sure that our minds match what the word says, not vice versa. And so speaking to both of you, or both groups of people today, I want to challenge us not just for this week, but I want to challenge us for the week beyond. Because in some ways, this week of camp and serving God in this setting is easier than our daily lives. In some ways, I know there are sacrifices that we have to make to, to do things like this or to go on missions trips, but in some ways it's easier to get out of our context and go somewhere else and minister to strangers than it is to minister where we are. Charles Spurgeon is once quoted as saying um, that every person, every believer, is either a missionary or an imposter. That's kind of harsh, but if you know Charles Spurgeon, you've ever read anything he said, he didn't like to beat around the bush. Every day of our lives, we're called to be missionaries, you and I, every one of us. And sometimes that context is Royal Family Kids Camp, but sometimes that context is where I work, where I live, where I shop. And Matthew chapter 25 gives us kind of a window into that. And so, um, I don't know where I put my phone. It's important because, thanks for putting that up there, because that's how I, I scroll through, and so I, uh, I need to have my phone. Um, and so, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells this story about sheep and goats, and we're going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it. Starting in verse 31, it says, but when the Son of Man, when Jesus comes in his glory, and all of the angels come with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people. So he's going to gather all the nations and he's going to separate each individual person as a shepherd 
separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or f- and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing or when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on his left and he'll say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or in prison or and sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refused to help the least of these brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. And so I've called this distinguishing between sheep and goats, or distinguishing sheep from goats. Now, I'm a city boy, and I grew up in a city and uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania, and we were surrounded by, by farming communities and farms, but I really never, to my knowledge, ever visited one. And so coming here was kind of a, a culture shock for me. My idea of camping is just to stay at a hotel that's maybe a little bit sketchy, okay? <laughs> I don't like it. If I'm going to spend... Okay, by the way, anything I say in this room today stays in this room, Okay. <laughs> talking to you as friends. If I'm going to spend time outside, I prefer blacktop and skyscrapers to trees and dirt roads, okay? That's just who I am. So I don't know a lot about sheep and I don't know a lot about goats. In fact, when I was at Trinity Bible College in Ellendale, North Dakota, Christy and I went on a group date with some friends and we went to Storybook Land in Aberdeen. Well, when I was a first student, Storybook Land was kind of in demise, but then it resurrected and it, it became a little bit better. And so on this visit, It was the first time live animals were actually in the barn. And from a distance, we could see the animals, and I exclaimed, look at the sheep. And all around me, laughter and mocking ensued because they were goats. (laughs) I didn't know. Um, I couldn't distinguish sheep from goats. They were just little, by the way. They didn't have horns. If they would have had horns, of course I would have recognized them. But they were just babies. Some of you are like, that still doesn't matter, but. (laughs) And I could sit here and tell you the differences physically between sheep and goats, but I won't because that would probably lead to more mocking and uh, I didn't have time to research it well enough to actually sound like an expert, but most of you probably know. The people in Jesus' audience would have known also. And what Jesus was not saying to this group of people, he was not saying that people who do certain things get to go to heaven, and people who don't, don't. He wasn't saying that what we do, our works, earn us a spot in his kingdom. Okay, we're, we're gonna lead up to this, but we have to understand that. 
What Jesus was giving these people is he was showing them how to distinguish between whether you are a sheep or a goat. Because here's the thing about sheep. Sheep don't have to be taught how to act like sheep. It's in their DNA. They're born that way. Goats don't have to be taught how to act like goats. It's in their DNA. And so what our DNA is will show in how we live our lives. This morning in Sunday school as I was teaching the little children, I asked them, how many of you believe reading your Bible every day is important? And of course, every hand went up. And I said, well, how many of you actually read your Bible every day? And not one hand went up. And so I told them as best I could, see, we really don't think it's important to read our Bible every day because if we did, we would. And I said, how many of you every how many of you think it's important to play on your iPod or your Kindle or your device every day? And of course, they knew what was coming. Kids are smart. And they didn't want to raise their hand. They didn't want to say it was important to do that. And I said, well, how many of you actually play every day? And all their hands went up. They play every day. I said, see, you think that's important. And it's not bad to play on those devices, but what we do shows what's in our hearts. Jesus says that all the time. And so to make sure that we are acting like the sheep he has created us to be, Jesus kind of shows us what that looks like. And he tells us that every single person is gonna stand before him as the son of man, and the goats are gonna be put on his left, and the sheep are gonna be put on his right. And the left is not a place we wanna be, because he, as he describes, the left is the place where those people are cast into outer darkness, into a place that was prepared not for human beings, but for the devil and all of his enemies and all of his demons. The enemies of God were cast there. And we don't wanna be there. God doesn't want you and I to be there. In fact, he so much did not want us to be there that he sent his son to this earth to give his life for you and I so that we could be made right with God. And Romans chapter 10, verse nine and 10 tells us that if we openly declare that Jesus is Lord and that we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. That we can come into right relationship with God because of what Christ has done for us. And when we do that, when we put faith in him, when we believe that Jesus paid for our sin, that his death was actually our punishment, he took it, he died, he was raised to life, and we surrender our lives to him. We don't invite him into our heart, we surrender our lives to him. We give our lives to him because of what he's done for us. And when we do that, his spirit comes to live inside of us. And the Bible says, most of you that go to church, you know this, the Bible says we become brand new. We become new creations. The old life is gone, the new life has come. You get a new DNA. The very God of the universe lives inside of you. We have to understand the Holy Spirit is not just a, a piece of God, he is God, and he lives in us. And if he lives in us, we, that new DNA should start coming out of us, and he helps us to do that. Ephesians chapter two reminds us God saved us by grace when we believe. That's what we just said. We can't take credit for it. You and I don't get to take credit for, what we've, for our salvation. It was all him. When I get to heaven, I stand before him. The reason the Bible says we get rewarded and we get these crowns and we cast them at his feet is because we recognize that everything we did that was worth anything was because of him. Everything from start to finish depends on what he's done for us. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. That way no one can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. 
He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. So when we come to that moment in life when we recognize what Christ has done for us and we surrender our lives to him, we exchange our life for his. Our lives become brand new. His spirit comes to live inside of us. That's the the term that we use in the church world, justification. That means it's just as if I'd never sinned. The book of Romans, excuse me, not Galatians, the book of Romans says we've been made right with God, we've been justified, and we have peace with God because of what Christ has done for us. The moment I make that choice, when you, and here's the thing, you don't have to bow your head, close your eyes, you just have to do it. You just have to make that volitional choice to do that, to make that decision. And Christ comes to live inside of us by his spirit, and we are made right with God. Boom. It's just as if I never sinned. What I do from that moment on doesn't change my standing with God because my standing with God is only on what I've done with through Christ. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. But we use another term in the church world called sanctification. And what that is is it's that new DNA that's in us because of the Holy Spirit starts to come out of our lives. Ephesians chapter five, verse one says, imitate God in everything you do as his children. See, we become children and we imitate our father. Whatever he does, we do. And the Holy Spirit helps us in that. He shows us what the father does. He shows us what the father loves. By the way, that's why it's important we read this book every day because this shows us what our father's like. Okay, I could say, you know, I feel like God is like this. But if it doesn't line up with what this book shows us, if it doesn't line up with what Jesus told us the Father was like, I don't care how I feel, it's not who the Father is. This shows us who the Father is. So as I read that book, the Holy Spirit takes it and he helps me work out my spiritual DNA. Aha. So then I start acting like a sheep and not like a goat. And so we become the sheep that he's created us to be. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells another story that's really similar to this. He tells the story of the wheat and the weeds. How many of you know the difference between wheat and weeds? I don't know if I do or not, and so I'm not even <laughs> gonna try. I don't know how many times we pass by fields and I'm like, oh, look at that, whatever, and it's not that at all. That's just grass. <laughs> oh, Weeds. But in that parable, Jesus says the weeds and the wheat are growing together because God planted wheat and the enemy comes and plants weeds, but they both grow up until the end and then they're separated. And in the same way the sheep and goats are separated, the weed and the wheats are separated at the end, at the harvest. And the wheat goes into the barn and the weeds get burned. But the interesting thing about goats and about weeds, spiritually speaking, is they look very similar. They go to the same church. They read the same Bible. They do kind of the same things. I mean, weeds and goats are not easily recognizable by our human eyes. And by the way, we're not necessarily called to to decide who's a sheep and who's a goat and who's a weed and who's a wheat. That's why Jesus said, let them grow till the end and the end will will tell all. 
Because I promise you, on judgment day, there will be people <clears throat> that you and I think, man, they are a goat, and they're really a sheep. And there are going to be other people that were like, man, they're a sheep, and they're going to be found to be goats. And so he's going to separate them. We're, our job is to make sure that the sheep DNA that he's put in us comes out. That's our role, and that's our job. So these goats or these weeds are probably very nice, very moral people, but in some way, they've not exchanged their lives for his. A lot of people go to church, but they don't surrender their lives to Christ. A lot of people actually read the Bible and pray regularly, but haven't surrendered their lives to Christ. In other words, he's not Lord. He doesn't call the shots, he doesn't make the decisions, and they're, they're hoping that they can do enough things, they can read the Bible enough, or pray enough, or attend church enough, or give enough money. They can do the, enough of the right things that he'll find them faithful. But James clearly tells us that if you just disobey one of his laws, you're guilty of all of it. So if you're gonna try to, to please him by your works, you can't. And that's the reason Jesus died in our place. That's the reason why it's so important we understand our salvation is in him, that DNA comes from him, but I still need to work it out in my daily life. I need to be a sheep. And so he gives us characteristics of sheep. We give drinks to those who are thirsty, we feed those who are hungry, we show hospitality to strangers, we clothe the naked, we care for the sick, we visit prisoners. Now, as I read that list, it's not really a good spiritual list. I mean, I would think that sheep would be the people that teach the Bible, that uh, teach Sunday school classes, that pray for the sick and see miracles happen, or they do evangelism, or they work five-day clubs, or they go on missions trips, or they wear blue shirts at Royal Family Kids Camp. I mean, those are the people that I would expect to see in this list. Or, or the people that don't smoke or drink or swear or wear the right clothes or, you know, do those nice religious things. But none of those things are listed. I don't understand why those things aren't listed. Because Jesus is saying it's easier to perform certain duties than it is to have a character that transforms how you live. And now, you can go through this list and think, okay, if I ever see a hungry person, I'm gonna feed them. If I ever see a third, it's not about following what's on this list. It's about understanding that the DNA inside of us has been transformed and we now value what he values. And what does he value more than anything? People. People. He values people more than anything. In fact, he says, if you're not in right relationship with your brother and you bring a gift to sacrifice to me, leave it. Go be made right with your brother and then come back. And in the church world, I promise you, we do not take that as seriously as he says it. I mean, the command that if we don't forgive others, we won't receive his forgiveness kind of falls off of us sometimes. We think, well, maybe that's not as, I mean, we're more concerned that we don't murder people or commit abortions than we are holding things in our hearts towards someone who's wronged us. And we should be way more concerned about the other because the thing that he values above everything else is how we treat other people. So much so that when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Well, the greatest commandment is to love God with everything in you, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And by the way, there's a second one that's just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor in the same way that you love God. Love your neighbor. In fact, 
How you love your neighbor actually shows how you love God. I mean, I know we claim to love God more than what, out, what flows out of us, but that's not the case. Our relationship with God is a perfect outflow in how we treat others. Now, here's the nice thing. You and I are not gonna do this perfectly, so if you're sitting here today and you're like, man, my relationships are bad, I don't treat people right. Oh, I must be a goat. No, if you have made the exchange, you're a sheep. And what Jesus is saying to you is, stop acting like a goat if you're a sheep. Because your DNA, if you've really made that decision, your DNA is sheep DNA. And so if you're acting like a goat, stop it. That's really what he says. Stop it. That's my favorite advice of all times. Stop it. It's great advice. If you live by that, I promise uh, you'll be great. But we can fake this list. You remember Judas? Judas faked this list. Because Mary came and she poured all this perfume on Jesus and it was worth a year's wages. And Judas is like, Jesus, that could have been used for Royal Family Kids Camp. Do you know how much that, that thing is worth? Do you know how much camp costs? We could have used it for that. And you know what the funny thing is? Jesus' reply is astounding to me. I mean, don't miss it. He says, the poor you will always have with you. See, that's a telling statement. Because sometimes we treat poverty like something that needs to be eradicated and dealt with. But poverty is not a problem to be solved. Poverty is a person to be loved. And it's almost like Jesus, I mean, if Jesus was here on earth today and he went to a charismatic church and he said that, they'd be like, Jesus, don't you dare say that. We're gonna eradicate poverty on the earth. But Jesus says, you're gonna always have poor people with you. It's just, it's gonna happen. And the reason is because I want you to be my hands and feet to them. Too often, we treat people like a problem to be solved instead of a a human to be valued. That's the DNA of a sheep. Jesus did not come to earth to fix us. He came to love us, to show us there's a father who loved us even when we were at our worst. And now he wants us to reciprocate that. Yeah, I get it. If people have not accepted Christ, they're they're lost, there's an eternity, but don't lose sight of the fact that that's a human being that needs to be valued. And that's what Jesus is trying to get across. That's the difference between sheep and goats. It's not necessarily what we do, it's who we are and what we let flow out of us. And so I wanna share the three values of Royal Family Kids Camp with you. Because I think these values are a great reminder to us that are going to camp this week. They're, they're gonna help us, they're gonna remind us that as we go through this week, this is the rules we live by. But here's the thing, I have loved these values since the day I heard them. I mean, I heard them from someone from Royal Family Kids International. I was over at the campground that we go to and it was January, it was cold outside and he was telling us, he was training us as workers and you know, it was even before we launched our first camp and he, as he put these values out in front of me, I'm like, I love those, those are so good. And uh, I even wrote to them once and said, uh, could I use them? Could I make them the values of our church? And they said, absolutely, you do that. But then we didn't. Because Royal Family Kids is bigger than our church. But these are still values that as a church, I hope we live by, and I hope you live by, not just this week, but every day. 
Because this week at camp, it's gonna be easy to remember them and easy to say, yeah, we need to live by these. But I hope that after camp, we still live by them. And I even wore my fancy wristbands. See, when you wear wristbands like this, if you're older, these make you hip. So I, <laughs> I know people don't say hip. I did it on purpose. See? Wristbands. And they remind us the values of Royal Family Kids Camp. Okay, here they are. Some of you are like, what is wrong with him? Nothing. I'm in camp mode already. I'm like ready to go and be there. Number one, we are called to treat people royally. Why? Because every human being on this planet is a child of God. Yes, some are lost and some have already come back home. But every one of them is royalty because he died to make them royalty. So the potential is there. All they have to do is recognize it, call on him, and they'll be saved and brought into his family. So they're all potential royalty. That's why we treat them like royalty. They're all sons and daughters of God. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each, to the, uh, each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In other words, treat them, treat every person as he treated you. And how did he treat us? While we were his enemies, he died for us. That's a high standard. And we'll do it this week at camp. I have no doubt that you blue shirts will do this at camp this week because you've learned to recognize that these campers have experienced some horrific things. And they're acting the way they're acting, not because they're bad kids, but because they don't know anything else. And you understand that. And so you'll show them grace. And you'll show them love. And you'll put up with some stuff that you wouldn't normally put up with. But what happens next week? What happens when it's not a child? What happens when it's someone who should know better? Do we offer the same level of grace and understanding? We should. Because Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus wept uncontrollably. Loud cries. Jesus, when he looked over the city of Jerusalem, wept over the city. He didn't weep over little children that were abused and neglected. Now, would he have? Yes. He, he, he cried over people that were just like them, that were lost, like sheep without a shepherd. I kind of hope that this kind of lifestyle takes over the way that we live our lives and the way we look at people. As I told you, as I apologized early, it, uh, it's, it's hard for me to to kind of sometimes put into words what's going on in my heart when it comes to Royal Family Kids Camp. Um, last year, when we were at camp, uh, I was the, the, the uncle, and so Christy and I would go in as aunt and uncle at night and we'd read to the girls, and they'd share prayer requests with us, and I, there was one night in particular, I don't remember, where I just had to take a walk after, after that because it was just hard. <laughs> but, it, I mean, it's good hard 
Okay, but you just sometimes you just need to walk and you need to put yourself in a different place and, and it's okay. And so if you've been there, you understand. Um, and they always tell you that Friday is really hard. Like when you, when you let the kids go home and it's just, it's just really hard. And, uh, and so we were prepared for it, so, or so we thought, until it actually happened. And then it was just like, it was hard. Well, just yesterday as I was sitting in my office and I was talking or going over my notes and trying to put some things together for today, and I was writing uh, John 3.16 in my notes, for God so loved the world, yeah, that he gave it. And so when we read that verse, you know, God so loved the world, but the world has a name. The world has a name. The world is the person that's standing in front of you at Walmart or at Coborns or at Lewis. It's the person that sits in a desk next to you at school. It's the person who works in the cubicle beside you. It's your neighbor. That's who he died for, and it has a name, and it has a face. And it's way easier for us as Christians to sit in a room like this and be like, oh, yes, Jesus died for the world. Thank you for dying for the world, and lose sight of the fact that he died for an individual person that bothers us or annoys us or causes us problems, and we get impatient with them. The reason, Christy came in my office yesterday and she was going home and she's like, are you okay? I'm like, yep, I'm fine. She's like, were you crying? (laughs) I'm like, I've been caught. Why are you here? (laughs) I said, yes, I don't, I just, I can't process it. Because you know why? Because last year preparing for camp, they didn't have a face. Now they have a face. And so when I write God so loved the world, the world has a face. And see, if you and I would live that way, and for those of you that don't, under, don't know what red and blue meant earlier, it means that my personality is not one that should feel a lot of stuff, okay? I don't have a feeling personality. I have a get the job done, make a list, and do the task type of thing. In fact, sometimes when I take personality assessments, I think, Lord, why am I a pastor? It's like I'm not even gifted for this. But here's the thing. It's not by mistake and it's not by accident because I feel things and I shouldn't because the world's personality tests don't tell us what the Spirit of God does to our hearts. Christ's love compels us. And what Jesus is trying to help us understand is don't let people become a project that you have to solve. Don't let them be a, a, a face that you gotta get saved. Let them be a person that you have to value and interact with. And I promise you, if you start valuing and interacting with people in that way, you'll be able to present the gospel to them and more people will get saved. That was really good. So anyway, so treat people royally. Number two, keep moving forward. At camp, keep moving forward means that things don't always go as we've expected, and sometimes you need to adjust in the middle of the week and do something different because it didn't go like we planned, and I've watched people at camp just do this. I mean, we just do it. I've watched when, when a kid acts out, and instead of you know, going into parental mode and we gotta correct that behavior, we understand we just need to deflect that energy. Somewhere. And I watch people all week long do this. What are we gonna do next week? Because in our lives, stuff happens. Not the way we plan, not the way we've expected, but we've got to keep moving forward. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter three, Brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us. See, 
what keep moving forward means is it's I refuse to let circumstances or people change how I act because I don't act a certain way because of the situation I'm in or the people I'm around. I act a certain way because of the DNA on the inside of me. So no matter how you treat me, the DNA that God has put in me now wires me to love my enemies, to bless those that curse me, to pray for those who mistreat me. Not because of who I am or because of my own self-discipline or willpower, but because of the DNA he's put inside of me. And if you don't believe that DNA's there, you'll never act it out. But if you start believing that he's placed that D and the A in there and you start asking him for the grace to do that, you'll find you have the power to do it because he's given it to you. See, when things happen to us that hurt us or harm us, it's hard sometimes to move forward. And it's easier for me to sit right here in front of you and say, we just gotta move forward. And it sounds a whole lot like, suck it up, buttercup. I mean, that's a whole lot of the phrase. But I know that sometimes it's hard to move forward. I know that sometimes it's gonna require, sometimes you have to go to a professional counselor. Sometimes you need a friend, you need accountability. I mean, sometimes it's a difficult road to keep moving forward. We've got 25 kids this week that we need to teach to move forward. That things are gonna happen in your life that are out of your control, that seem overwhelming, but you've just gotta keep moving forward. We model that for them We need to do that in our daily lives. Sometimes it's hard for us to treat people royally because we're stuck in the past. And if we don't learn to get the past behind us, we can't treat people in front of us royally. Treat people royally, keep moving forward. And the last one, make moments matter. Ephesians chapter five says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. I believe that every day of our lives, every one of us in this room, miss an opportunity. I know that sounds terrible to say, and that's not really encouraging and enlightening, um, but I don't say that to make us feel condemned. I say that to show us there's potential we haven't tapped yet. I believe every single day of our lives, we pass people that God wants us to interact with and make that moment matter. But because that moment maybe isn't really flashy or there's not like a bright neon sign or it's not, you know, like loaves and fish that are multiplied or something. I mean, because it's not some big miracle, we miss it. Because it's just a tiny moment. Maybe it's just a kind word that we express. Maybe it's just a short prayer that we pray for someone. Instead of, by the way, ever saying to someone, hey, I'll pray for you, would you just take 30 seconds and actually pray for them on the spot? I mean, because that invites God into that situation right then. So that just, that's free. You just get to take that one extra. Um, But make the most of every opportunity that you've been given. And you and I, if we live saying, you know, I've probably missed opportunities. Lord, open my spiritual eyes to see. If you remember the story in the book of Kings where Elisha's servant came into the house and he's like, Elisha, we're in trouble. There's so many people out there and they're trying to kill us. And Elisha prays, Lord, open his eyes so that he can see there are more for us than are against us. And the servant looks again and sees all these chariots of fire around and that he didn't see before. The, the disciples, when Jesus met with the woman at the well, because you know Jews aren't supposed to talk to Samaritans and so uh, it was outside their box. I'm not supposed to interact with that person or, you know, that's someone I really don't want to interact with and so we miss that opportunity. And Jesus says, don't say there's four months until the harvest. Open up your eyes. The harvest is ripe. 
all around you. You just have to see it and start tapping into it. Now, you don't create the opportunities. You just take the ones that he's created. And sometimes you just have to put feelers out there to find out if there's an opportunity. I mean, sometimes you just interact with someone, and in that short conversation, you recognize God is working on that person's heart. He brought me here in this moment. Sometimes halfway through the conversation, you're like, eh, yeah, I don't know that uh, they're ready yet. I mean, don't try to seal the deal with someone that ain't ready. I mean, here's the thing. You can get them to, to make a commitment with their mouth, but if their hearts aren't ready, they, the deal won't be sealed. With the heart we believe, with the mouth we confess. But we've got to interact. We've got to make the most of these opportunities. In Deuteronomy chapter six, Moses taught the people to obey the commands of God and repeat them again and again to your children. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home. Talk about them when you're on the road. Talk about them when you go to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands. Wear them on your foreheads. And so they got really good at putting these little scrolls everywhere and just, you know, they didn't do any of them, but they, you know, they, at least they had the scrolls there. Um, and so at camp, we take, we seize those moments with our campers. We talk about the attributes of God when we're fishing. We talk about the attributes of God when we're at the lake. We talk about the attributes of God when we're praying over our meal, when we're talking. I mean, we look at every opportunity to talk about our Heavenly Father. Why don't we do that when we're not at camp? You're right, we should. And we will, because I'm gonna keep hounding us until we do. We've gotta make moments matter. But the problem is for many of us, we live compartmentalized lives. We don't live as missionaries. We live as I go to church, I do my devotions, uh, then I go do these things and I do these things. And we're not missionaries on mission with God every moment of our days. And so we don't interact with people making every moment matter. And every once in a while, we just swing for the fence and hope we hit a home run. But I promise you, there are more singles and sacrifice bunts that win baseball games than home runs. And so that little moment that you might think is insignificant is super important. Giving someone a cup of cold water, inviting someone in who's a stranger, giving clothes to someone in need. In other words, just paying attention to someone and meeting a need they have can go further than preaching a sermon in front of thousands. So this week at camp, I hope that we remember these. And for those of you not going to camp, I hope you start remembering them. To treat people royally, to keep moving forward, and to make moments matter. And as I said, I have no doubt that when we go to camp this week, that every one of you as staff is gonna, you're gonna do this. I just know you are. And uh, we're gonna come alongside and help you do it when you feel like you can't do it because that's what we're doing this week. And there are gonna be times when I don't wanna do it and I expect you to come alongside me and help me do it when I don't wanna do it. We're constantly reminding each other. And you know, as staff people, it's interesting. We go through all these personality assessments and we wear name tags with our Kellers because we wanna try to understand each other and relate to each other. By the way, that would be a great thing to do next week too. Unfortunately, the whole world won't wear those name tags so sometimes you just have to get to know people enough to know maybe they're wired different than me. Maybe I don't need to always correct that person. Maybe I just need to accept that they see it different than me. That was another free one that you just get to take with you. I mean, man, all these free ones. Let's stand together. I'm gonna pray for you as we get ready to go.
I'm going to pray for the grace to put into practice what I've just talked about. If you're here today and you don't have sheep DNA, you've never came to the cross, you've never come to a point in your life where you've said, uh, Jesus, thank you for taking my punishment for me, and you've never exchanged your life for his, you've never made that choice. You, need, you can make that choice today. In just a moment, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come, and I want you to stand here in the front, and I'm going to join them in just a second. And we're going to be here. If you need prayer, if you've never done that and you want to do that, we want to take an opportunity to do that with you today or show you how, help you do that. And so please, when we dismiss the service, come and find us and let us take that opportunity with you. For the rest of you, I'm assuming you've got sheep DNA. Now, you may act more like a goat than you do a sheep, but I pray that God gives us the grace to start acting our DNA. And so Father... I thank you that while we were your enemies, you modeled for us how to do this. When we were at our worst, you died for us. You came to this earth and you became one of us because you wanted to be able to sympathize with us in our weakness. You wanted us to be able to know that you understand the difficulties we face. Help us to be imitators of you as your children. Thank you for the new DNA that you've placed in our lives. Help us to treat people royally every day of our lives. This week at camp, this week at home, this, the next weeks, the next months, the next years. Treating each person that we encounter in our day with value, with honor. God, knowing that we can love even our enemies because it's the DNA you've put in us. Help us to keep moving forward. Help us to move past the difficulties, the challenges, the hardships that we faced in our lives, knowing that you use those to develop character and perseverance in our lives. Help us to trust you in every moment and to just simply keep moving forward. Help us to make the most of every opportunity that we have. Help us to understand the call that you've placed on our lives to be missionaries in our daily lives. Wherever we work, wherever we live, wherever you've put us, you've called us to be your ambassadors, showing people what a relationship with you looks like and telling them they too can be reconciled to you, to their Father. So Father, I pray, give us the grace to live out our DNA this week and every day in the future. We ask it in Jesus' name. Father, I pray now that you would bless them. I pray that you'd keep them. I pray that you'd cause your face to shine on them and be gracious to them. I pray that you'd give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, if you need to be dismissed, you can go ahead. If you have never made that choice to follow Christ and you want to, please come find one of our prayer members. We'd love to pray with you. God bless you as you go. Royal family kids, please.